The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you know I say you're in the right place because I always mean it. So what's the buzz on the street today? Well, I picked a three-word quote from a song from Bob Dylan, who has been told he got the Nobel Prize for Literature. Very interesting since he's a songwriter and he's kind of disappeared on them, but I think they'll find him in time for the prize. Here's the quote. It's all good. What is she talking about? Well, let me tell you. These are exciting times for tech startups, technology startups, entrants, disruptors, if you want to call them. The ones who are working on breakthrough innovations in, let me give you a list here, IoT space, we're talking Internet of Things. How about the industrial IoT, IIoT? We also have IoT for healthcare, IoT for manufacturing, and other business critical areas related to Internet of Things. We're talking sensors. We're talking data coming in from all kinds of places all the time. So why is this so important for these tech startups? Well, I'll tell you. Big enterprises, the ones that are established, that may be sitting kind of poised to stay, not be disrupted, but wait a minute, they know something's happening outside their walls. They are poised to take advantage of your innovations, you the startup, using the real-time processing power of the IT platform, which is great, and IoT analytics. What is it going to do for big enterprises? It's going to help them uncover the value in the sensors. They've already got networks of sensors and devices. And and to improve the top line and the bottom line. And what company doesn't want that? We have three experts in this field helping us talk about this today. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we'll get started. First up, we're welcoming newcomer to Game Changers Radio. His name is Christopher Bouvere, B-O-U-V-E-R-E-T. He is the CIO Chief Innovation Officer at a company called ITISIMO. Let me spell that for all of you. Very interesting. I. T-I-Z-Z-I-M-O. Chris will join us in just a moment. Also, another newcomer on the panel, Peter Van Schalkwick, S-C-H-A-L-K-W-Y-K, if you want to look him up, and he spells Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R. He's the founder and CEO of a company called XM Pro, capital X, capital M, capital P, small R-O. And rounding out the panel, another newcomer. It's Mayank Mater. He spells his last name M-A-T-H-U-R, if you want to look him up. He leads the value engineering team in the SAP Startup Focus Program. And, of course, a shout-out to Christina Sosa, who put together this wonderful panel. We're talking today about the startup mindset, which I'm calling all of these episodes in our series, IoT Scenarios. 
adding enterprise value. So put that into your thinking cap and let's get started. First up, I'm going to welcome Chris Bouveret at Itissimo. And Chris has sent me a quote from Jeff Imelt or Imelt, however you pronounce it. It's Jeffrey Robert Jeff Imelt, I-M-M-E-L-T. Born in 1956, he's an American business executive, currently chairman of the board and CEO of the U.S.-based conglomerate GE, that's General Electric. He was selected by GEO's C- GE CEO by the board of directors in 2000 to replace Jack Welch when Welch retired and previously Jeff headed up the medical systems division now known as GE Healthcare. Interestingly enough, he was one of, my goodness, I think he had eight siblings, I'm not sure. I'm looking at his history. He played football in college, was an offensive tackle, earned an AB in applied mathematics and economics cum laude from Dartmouth and blah, blah, blah. He earned an MBA from Harvard Business School, graduating in 1982, and he expresses the following. ML says, business school was one of the most intense times of your life. So here's the quote from Chris has selected from Jeff Imelt. Quote, if you went to bed last night as an industrial company, you're going to wake up today as a software and analytics company. Great quote. Chris Bouveret, may I call you Chris? Yeah, sure. Thank you for joining me. Tell me about this quote from Jeff. Am I pronouncing it right? Imelt or Imelt? How do you pronounce it? I would say Imelt, but I think uh, he would be fine with Imelt also. So <laughs> I think uh, most people might know him uh, or can look him up. So, yeah. So tell me, how did you pick this quote for our, our topic today, Chris? Well, basically what we experience a lot when talking to large enterprises and customers from, uh, let's say, manufacturing industry Um, So industrial companies are really facing challenges because IT and uh, manufacturing or mechanical engineering are, you know, getting more and more closer um, in what we call the industrial Internet of Things or IoT or even industry uh, industry 4.0. So uh, the challenge for the industrial companies is they need to deal with with software more than ever and they need to be able um, to, to learn uh, how software is developed, and uh, which is not their core business, because basically they're you know building machines or whatever. So uh, tapping this deep into software development is kind of new for them, and I think there's not one industrial company anymore that doesn't have to deal with software development to really leverage the IIoT or Industry 4.0 uh, use cases. Thank you very much, Chris. Very interesting. Um, yes, let me move on. By the way, uh, do you think uh, he was right in saying business school is one of the most intense times of your life? Any thoughts on that? Well, I would say uh, I went to business school also, but I would say uh, being in a startup, um, you know, it's like running a roller coaster while building it is for me, it's a lot more intense than business school was. But, um, you know, I think Mr. Emil might have some reasons why he said so. Maybe his business school was uh, very tough. But I had a very tougher time uh, in the four years being at Itissimo now uh, compared to my business school times. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I think I was leading the witness. I thought so. Thank you very much, Chris, and welcome. 
And now let me introduce our second panelist, Peter Van Chalkwick, founder and CEO of XM Pro. And Peter has sent us a quote from Michael Porter. His full name is Michael Eugene Porter, born in 1947, also a young one. Uh, Immelt was born in 56. These are young men by my standards. Porter is an American academic known for his theories on economics, business strategy, and social causes. He is the Bishop William Lawrence University professor at Harvard Business School and one of the founders of the consulting firm called the Monitor Group, which is now part of Deloitte. Uh, Here's an interesting side note about Porter. I don't know if Peter knows this. Porter said in an interview that he first became interested in competition through sports. He was on the NCAA championship golf squad, G-O-L-F, golf squad at Princeton and played football, baseball, and basketball growing up. Very interesting. He's also the author of 18 books and numerous articles, including competitive strategy, Strategy, competitive advantage, the competitive advantages of nations, and on competition. And he was a six times six time winner of the McKenzie Award for the best Harvard Business Review article of the year. He is the most cited author in business and economics. And here's the quote. Peter has selected from Michael Porter, and I quote, the essence of strategy is choosing what not to do. Oh, I like that. Peter Van Chalkwick, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm I'm great. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's one of the guiding principles in business and in life. Uh, As I think we're often faced with lots of opportunities to try new things. And um, my wife will tell you that I suffer the next shining thing syndrome, or it's probably mm-hmm. now being replaced by the next shining gadget. And we have the same thing in um, IoT, especially industrial IoT, where we have lots of gadgets. There's um, sort of three levels. There's sensors and devices. There's uh, um, the network communication, and then we've got the data and, and, and um, actions that come out of it. So there's a long shopping list of things that you can do in IoT, and what we've seen to get real I, to, to get real ROI from IoT, it's quite often that you have to choose the things that you are not going to do, and focus on those things that will give value to customers and 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 um, give the return on investment. And I think Porter calls that the trade-offs that you sometimes have to do. Thank you very much, Peter. Very interesting. And let's talk to our third panelist, Mayank Matter, who leads the value engineering team in the SAP Startup Focus Program. And Mayank has sent us a quote from a gentleman named Christian Lous. I want to say Lewis, but it's not Lang, who lived from 1869 to 1938, a Norwegian historian teacher and political scientist, one of the world's most foremost exponents of the theory and practice of internationalism. And here's a little side note on Mr. Lang. Uh, he published a three-volume historical treatise called L'Histoire de d'Internationalisme, published in 1919. It was said to contribute to the ideological preparation for the League of Nations, and he shared a Nobel Peace Prize for this in 1921 with Halmar Branting. Uh, Lang died at the age of 79, and for some reason it seems to be important to Wikipedia to state that he passed away one day after the 17th anniversary of the repeat receipt of the Nobel Prize. Here is the quote. Technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. Mayank Matur, how are you today? Welcome. 
Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks very much. And uh, hi to both Chris and Peter. Good to hear from you guys again. Um, so, so yeah, Bonnie, I think uh, very interestingly why I kind of picked this code was kind of a combination of things of what I'm personally experiencing in my life uh, dealing with the new IoT gadgets and what's been going around um, in our uh, uh, you know, uh, work circle when we work with these startups and we hear um, uh, from the larger enterprise companies of how they're adapting to IoT and, and then to what Chris's quote was of what a CEO of GE is saying. And when I was looking at, at, at when I, I came across this quote in one of the presentations that was made uh, at a recent IoT conference, and what caught my attention was this gentleman made this statement, uh, you know, it's that that while ago, and 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 it is so much relevant to to where we are today um, that it is almost spooky. And uh, to give you more context, is you know, I'm doing a home remodel co- project, and the biggest concern right now I have is how do I make all of these gadgets that are available connect from the garage door. Uh, to the security cameras, to the doorbell, and uh, to the lights that G- uh, bulbs that GE makes, uh, and uh, it is it is almost scary to what we have uh, just witnessed uh, last weekend or this weekend, where we had uh, internet uh, so-called outage slash hack, where mm-hmm. it was said that these hackers were not only just trying to disrupt. Um, a large company's operation, but where they're trying to get into uh, IoT control devices. So, keeping these uh, data points that are just going around us, um, and 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 looking at a statement like this, which was made 200 years ago, I'm like, mm-hmm. how relevant is this in today's time? And I was wondering what Mr. Lange would have thought of things if he were alive today. And uh, that is the context of. Uh, this uh, this code, and I was hoping we can elaborate on that in, on the theme that we are talking today. Yeah, we we certainly can, and I really appreciate your mentioning how old the quote is. And yes, very very interesting. Thank you, Mayank, and pleasure to meet you. And now let's get a little personal with our panelists. I'm going to circle back to Chris Bouveret and ask you, Chris, where are you calling from right now? And this is called "What's in Your Cup Today," meaning what are you drinking right now that's powering you at Itissimo? And or what are you planning to drink after the show, Chris? Right. Yeah. So I'm calling in from uh, Würzburg, Germany, uh, actually from the Artissimo headquarter. And uh, since it's uh, six uh, six p.m. almost uh, six fifteen here, I'm still drinking coffee, and it's a special coffee. We do have a automatic brewing machine for coffee, but mm-hmm. um, we uh, kind of tuned it so. Uh, we do have uh, espresso beans in there. Um, so getting one cup of this coffee is actually like drinking 10 espressos. And uh, <laughs> since I do have uh, some more calls this evening because my U.S. colleagues who just jump-started uh, our subsidiary in the U.S. and my U.S. colleagues just got up uh, or are, you know, have their morning work, um, I do have some calls, so that's why I'm drinking hard, very um, strong coffee that's coming out of our brewing machine using espresso beans and having tuned the brewing time so much that it's actually like having 10 espresso. So just one cup of that uh, should be enough uh, for getting me through the night. Wow, that was, as, as my grandma used to say, you said a mouthful. Very interesting, the equivalent of 10 cups of coffee in one little, how big is the cup of espresso you're, you're drinking? 
Well, it's a normal espresso cup, but this cup of coffee I'm drinking, it's a normal mug. So I would say uh, it's just uh, drinking one mug of coffee, but having 10 espressos in terms of the caffeine that you're getting from it. Very interesting. I got to get one of those. Thank you very much. And now let's talk to Peter Van Schalkwick. Peter, the founder and CEO of XM Pro. Where are you calling from, Peter? And what's in your cup today? Um, so I've got sparkling uh, Pellegrino for the for the show, but I'm actually in Barcelona at the IoT um, World Congress, and I'm going to have a sangria and tapas on um, in one of these small street cafes just after the show. Oh, I have to ask you, is it red sangria or white sangria? And the reason I'm asking is I didn't know there was a difference until recently when I went to a restaurant. And they said, which one do you want? So what's your preference? My preference is red. There's actually four varieties from what I've learned here in Spain. So I've learned something over and above just the IoT conference. I've actually learned uh, uh, some new life skills around the four different sangria um varieties that you can get four okay and uh that that's very interesting i didn't i had the white version of sangria at a wedding in upstate new york about two months ago and i didn't care for it it didn't have enough punch but give me a nice sweet red sangria if if you ordered one across the table and i ordered something very pedestrian like a ginger ale i might steal half of your red sangria so you're on notice peter just so you know thank you very much for the good memories of that and Mayank Matter, where are you today and what's in your cup? Hey, uh, Bonnie, I'm uh, very much in the Palo Alto office, and I'm not much of a coffee person, um, not much of a breakfast person either, so I just grabbed my regular cappuccino from the fantastic office coffee machine. Mm, and tell me, do you sprinkle a little bit of anything like, oh, I don't know, cinnamon on top of your cappuccino? Anything added to it to make it a little more special, <laughs> you know, I would, Mayank? Uh, I, would, I, I like these Starbucks pumpkin spice latte cappuccino, but, but yeah, none of that available here at work, so probably be just the simple old cappuccino. Simple old cappuccino. Nothing simple and old about cappuccino. I have an espresso machine, and I love my little cappuccino I make from time to time. However, three gentlemen on the panel, you do not know me, and I'll tell you a little secret. They do not let me have caffeine on radio show days. Do you think you figured out why? <laughs> I have to tell you, today is a special day. You are my third in a row radio show here for Game Changers Radio, three hours on radio. So I'm definitely drinking water just to keep myself hydrated and to keep my head on straight and thinking about this wonderful topic today. We're talking about the startup mindset, IoT scenarios adding enterprise value. We have three experts on the line, Christopher Bouveret at ITissimo, Peter Von Schalkwick at XM Pro, and Mayank Matter at SAP Startup Focus. And again, a shout out to Christina Sosa for putting together this wonderful panel there. Great, Christina, already. I know she's listening on the line. Christina and everybody were tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. And uh, my handle is at SAP Radio if you want to include that. It's fine. And also a shout out to Manju Bonzel at SAP Startup Focus who decided 
decided to renew this series after taking a couple years off. We're delighted to be speaking with your startup specialist, Manju. So thank you. So guess what? It's time for us to take a quick break, about a minute and change. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. I promise. Michael out. In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit W www.sap.com With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. We're back and we're talking about Startup Focus from the perspective of tech startups. Are you developing IoT scenarios, Internet of Things, Industrial Internet of Things, IoT for healthcare, IoT for all kinds of areas of business and personal use? What's happening with these sensors? And are you creating scenarios that can be useful to an enterprise? Do you want them to adopt you? Do you want them to buy from you? Well, we're talking about the startup mindset, specifically IoT scenarios that add enterprise value. My special panel today is Christopher, on my panel today, Christopher Bouveret at ITSIMO, Peter Van Chalkwick at XM Pro, and Mayank Matter at SAP Startup Focus. And we're going to kick off the roundtable right now with an opening statement from Monsieur Bouveret, if I may call you that. Very loaded topic here we're going to start with. But before I start, Chris, why don't you give me the 60-second elevator pitch or the speech on what is ITSIMO, and you call yourself the Chief Innovation Officer, which could be confused with CIO, Chief Information Officer. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the company does and how you picked your title. Chris? Right. Yeah. Um, ITSIMO is actually working on a software platform called uh, Simplifier, and um, the short pitch for that is basically the Simplifier should be a digital transformation platform. Um, speeding up the um, process of app development by configuring apps instead of coding them. So basically, our point is we try to enable industrial companies uh, to come up with IoT applications without having to code. And if they need to code, then we provide one standardized uh, programming language to do that. And this is JavaScript, so some technicians might, might already have heard of that. So basically, yeah, Simplifier is a digital transformation platform that we're building 
um, tapping into existing data sources and um, making this data available in user-centered processes that run basically on, on mobile and wearable devices with a strong focus on watches and smart classes and, and wearables, I would say. Thank you, Chris. And now let me read the statement from your notes that's going to kick off our roundtable finally. And here you say, connected workers can create value within the IoT, Internet of Things, leveraging wearables, mobile, and context-aware technologies. Why don't you expand this for me, Chris, and then we'll invite Peter and Mayank to add their thoughts as well. Go ahead, Chris. Right. So the challenge uh, when talking about connected workers is really um, data is stored in many, many data silos, and uh, in almost uh, every case it's in different uh, data formats. And uh, in in the opinion of the perfect connected worker scenario, I would say uh, a worker shouldn't have to care where data comes from and where data goes back to. So if if we're taking wearables and multiple end devices into the game also, then this is becoming even more complex because uh, um, every process step might have the perfect end device um, for this step. But, you know, doing a whole business process on, let's say, just the tablet is in, in most cases not really, um, um, yeah, giving companies advantage or dealing with the problem that the worker needs to interact with uh, business data in a very intuitive, user-centered way. So when talking about uh, enabling the connected worker to use wearables and mobile devices, um, it's really all about giving a very user-centered approach and um, not having to care where data comes from and where data goes back to. And talking about context-aware technologies, it's about uh, context is, you know, the, the who, the what, the where, and the why, basically. So who's the, who's the worker? Where is he? And uh, what kind of environmental data um, could we gather from his actual situation? This is what we mean with context. And context-aware technologies can be, you know, technologies like scanning, tracking, geolocations, but also uh, computer vision-based technologies like augmented reality that can be used to identify the context the worker is in. And as soon as we know the context, we then can uh, gather data from the relevant backends and put them in a standardized data format and make this data usable within a very user-centered process um, that's actually tapping into context-aware technologies, but also giving access to backend data without having to know which backend the data is actually coming from and which backend it's going to be saved back to. Very interesting. Let's talk to Peter Van Chalkwick at XM Pro. Peter, what do you think? And you uh, agree or disagree with Chris Bouveret at ITISIMO on the value of this? Um, I agree on the value. I think um, there's lots of evidence coming out that uh, assistive technologies for for the connected workers have great um, use cases, for example, around safety, making sure um, that people work in safe environments, that they do um, safe actions. But I think one of the challenges that also comes out of this is um, a whole ethical question around what can you do with that data and what can you profile um, from a user perspective and create models and, 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 and look at behavioral patterns that may have some ethical uh, um, kickback. So it's one of those challenging ones where there's a lot of benefit, but it could also um, go very wrong if you don't use it properly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's get Mayank's thoughts on this, please. Mayank Matter at um, SAP Startup. Bunny, I think I could, this is a great point. I completely agree with what ITZMO and, and Chris have been doing. And, uh, you know, just to put this in context, um, uh, from an SAP point of view, 
Uh, what's amazing is that the first set of SAP IoT applications were in and around the applications like predictive uh, maintenance. And if you look at the applicability of these applications, they span manufacturing, automotive, engineering, and construction just to begin with. And in each of these scenarios, we see the direct relation of um, the variables, the advancement of the variables technology and, and, uh, and devices, and, uh, and the consumption um, of these applications within the mobile workforce. Uh, so we've had some really great uh, use cases with early customer adoption um, in this context of um, wearables, mobile, and in, in context of wear itself is a great um, word that uh, Chris has mentioned here because this is uh, you have to bring all of this data together, and uh, this is something that SAP has been trying to showcase just. Um, uh, on the back end of how things work. But overall, I think this is super important um, in, in, in the context of where we are heading um, in terms of the connected devices. And I think um, that this is a great, a, a great uh, point here to highlight that. Thank you, Mayan. Chris Bouvray, I'm going to circle back to you and ask if you have anything to add on this topic. And would you like to comment on what your co-panelists just shared? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm also um, agree that this is, uh, for us, it's one of the most important topics uh, dealing with the connected worker because, in our opinion, it's really about giving people access to digital data in a very intuitive way. And this is, in most, uh, in most enterprises, this is not the case um, as we speak. So um, we think this connected worker topic has some really big importance when dealing with IoT because uh, when data is gathered and analyzed, the results need to be presented on an end device. And this should be not just a desktop, com- desktop computer. This could also be notifications on a smartwatch. And through integration in the backends, we can then trigger relevant um, processes. For example, if we have maintenance case and uh, talking about predictive maintenance here, and um, the, the analysis is actually giving a result that a, a part is about to break or could break uh, soon. Then it's, it's all, um, all about triggering uh, subsequent processes like ordering a spare part or even opening up a maintenance ticket or a service ticket within SAP or other backends. So this is really of great importance um, to, to be a basically backend agnostic, but also uh, having a multi-device and multi-platform approach, talking about the mobile operating systems here. So, yeah, this is what I wanted to add. Thank you very much, Chris. I'm going to move on to some notes here from Peter Van Schalkwick at XM Pro. But, Peter, I'd love for you to tell us, please, what does XM Pro do? You're a founder and CEO, so tell us a little bit about your company. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, so we find, for most people, IoT is a very abstract concept, and talking to customers, there are so many moving parts that is part of the IoT solution. So it's anywhere from all the sensors right through to the data and analytics, and we hear about machine learning, and then um, also trying to get some actions out of it. So what we've done with XM Pro is we've developed a visual uh, tool where you can visually design a use case, or what we call a use case, or a specific scenario where you can visually drag the data connections that you have um, from the different sensors onto a canvas, like a drawing canvas. You can bring in some of the analytics that you want to do. You may want to have 
uh, machine learning or something like that as part of the process flow, if we can call it that. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, we want to create actions inside back-end systems. And again, um, SAP, EAM, for example, where we want to create a work order. And our vision is that subject matter experts like engineers at, um, at companies can visually design their own logic for uh, IoT application. Um, they just need the input from IT to help them set up the connection to the different data sources and the back-end integration systems. But the way that they build and design IoT applications is all done in a, in a visual, graphical way where you essentially um, just drag all the objects onto a screen and um, set up the workflow and data flow that you want out of it. Thank you, Peter. Now, I'm looking at your notes here, a couple of interesting things. I'm going to combine two, oh, I'm going to combine three uh, items, basically headlines in the notes you sent me before the show and ask you to comment on them. So first, I'm going to read from your notes. You say, IoT, Internet of Things, is as much about business model innovation as it is about technical innovation. That's the first statement. Second is, you say, there's a lot of FUD, F-U-D. Let me explain that. Fear for the F, U for uncertainty, D for doubt. And IoT is made out to be complex. And number three, you say, IoT is not about the sensors. It is about actions. So, Peter, can you tackle, explain any of the above? Because I think altogether it makes a very interesting Complex statement, if you will. Go ahead. Thanks very much. Um, so quite often IoT is associated um, with uh, technical innovation, engineering, and, and things like that. But what we're seeing is that uh, one of the key, the, the key outputs of, of using IoT is that you can actually invent new business models or find new ways of doing uh, a business. So what's, what's happening out there, the smart companies um, that are using IoT are discovering new ways that they can create new services. And uh, one of the analogies um, that we often use is if you look at Netflix and their business model and how um, their business model actually changed uh, or um, killed Blockbuster. Um, it's the same way that we see some of the IoT companies starting to Netflix their competitor. Uh, and, and by the way, Netflix, um, they actually use the same technology as Blockbuster at the day. They sent out DVDs by mail, so it wasn't that they had streaming services where Blockbuster had DVDs. They actually had the same technology. They just had a different uh, business model. And what we see mm-hmm. with IoT, it helps you to, to um, uh, uh, find those new business models and ways that you can create new revenue opportunities uh, which brings me to the part around um, IoT is not about sensors, it's, it's about actions. And again, um, because at the moment IoT discussions are so technology-centric, people quite often forget that what you really want out of it are the business actions, um, things like creating work orders or billing or um, business actions. And uh, the focus that... We're starting to see a shift in focus where it's less about the blinking lights and sort of trying to make um, uh, um, lights go on and off, but rather how do I take what I, um, the, the data that I gather from sensors and how can I create new revenue uh, models or how can I build that into new services that didn't exist before. 
Thank you, Peter. Mayank Matcher at SAP Startup Focus. Love to have you comment on the interesting input from yes. Peter. Go ahead, Mayank. This is, um, this is a, a really a, a good statement, um, specifically the one um, about it's not, not just the sensors, but the actions. And to what just Peter alluded to, I think I completely agree. Um, and we just look at the different use cases again, uh, whether you take a good use case in healthcare or you take a good use case in predictive maintenance in an automotive scenario, um, we, we are constantly coming across that um, gathering the data collected by the sensors, processing of that, that data, uh, obviously is of importance. But what are the insights that you can um, present to the end user? Um, and even it could be uh, these insights that feed into another machine that, that basically is taking a set of actions is what um, is becoming of critical importance. And I think we're looking at uh, these startups and these uh, solutions that are providing that value, um, which is of most importance. Um, you look at a recent acquisition by Salesforce of a company called Beyond Core, an analytics application company out of our program, and you look at that, uh, that they were not just doing analytics, but they were doing actionable, um, uh, you know, providing actionable um, data uh, on which a particular uh, scenario could be executed. So I think I completely... Um, agree with Peter's point here, and I think this is super critical uh, for solutions, whether it's just startups or bigger companies, that how do they adopt uh, these, um, a, you know, how do, when they adopt uh, the IoT uh, scenarios, you know, it is not just, um, you know, the collecting of the data, but, but how do they apply it for actionable results? So I think, yeah, this is a, a great point here. Thank you, Mayank. Let me circle around to Chris Bouveret at ITISIMO. Chris, your thoughts, agree or disagree? Um, I do agree, but I would say um, coming up with uh, new business models based on uh, data that is uh, gathered and an, um, analyzed is one of the most important uh, uh, chances that, that uh, enterprises are are facing um, when, when dealing with IoT. So basically, to give an example, um, from the space of life science. So there's a whole bunch of, of manufacturers of, of, let's say, intelligent devices do not use the back channel. So their devices do not have connectivity, so they sell a whole bunch of devices, and the devices are actually in the market, let's say industrial scales and, and, and stuff like that in the laboratory. Um, but they don't know, actually, um, is there a service interval that the device needs to be serviced Oh, actually, they're having now a, a pull uh, approach, so their sales people are actually calling and, and asking if uh, the service interval is, is still is still okay. So, uh, what I want to point out is uh, coming up with a new business model uh, with this sensor and actor combination. So, gathering the data, providing the connectivity to be able to gather the data, and then have actions based on this data. And this could be um, notifying the sales team or a service team that there's actually a service interval um, that, that, is, that is not okay. Um, and so they can have this information proactively without having to, to ask the customer. This is just one example of how connectivity, and in other verticals this is already in place, but there are a whole bunch of verticals that don't even 
tap into this space yet. So their devices are out there. They do have, uh, in some some cases, connectivity, but the connectivity was made for the end users, and they don't use it, but the manufacturer themselves don't use it to gather process relevant data from their devices from the market to analyze them and then have actions uh, based on the uh, the analyzed data. So yeah, new business models are, I think, the most important um, target and goal within IoT. Um, and uh, yeah, companies need to rethink a lot of stuff and changing the way they sell their products uh, uh, totally. Thank you, Chris. And let me circle back around the ta- the virtual table to Peter Van Schalkwick at XM Pro. Peter, any thoughts on what your co-panelists have added to your topic, please? Um, I fully agree with what Christopher is saying. So it's really important that we use and leverage uh, IoT and the sensors and devices and the data that they generate. Um, but it's also important to, to think about what the data means and what I can do with it. And don't just think about what you uh, would have done in the past, but think about um, are there ways that I can use this in new ways that would um, add some new value into the value chain, uh, something that's emerging, for example, in, in, in the Industry 4.0 world is, is um, something which they call manufacturing as a service, something where you leverage the data that you're now getting about the machines, the condition, whether they need uh, raw materials uh, uh, and, and information and data like that, and how we turn in just the data from IoT, uh, how we turn that into smart data by ap- applying uh, different kinds of analytics and, and smarts to it. But that gives us... A, a, unique set of information that didn't exist before and we're in a unique place where we can now create new um, business models that can leverage that information. So I fully agree with Chris, um, you need the technology to support it, but don't just think about the blinking lights, think about what can I do with it. Thank you very much. That's a, a funny, a, to me, funny statement about blinking lights. Uh, Peter, I, I was a programmer analyst back in the day of, oh boy, am I going to date myself here. Uh, how about key punching and carrying around a box with 2,000 cards? Uh-huh, 80 column cards. A whole, I'm sure the three of you are way too young to remember that. And in, back in the day, the computer room was a huge room with tiles that the engineer would pick up with a, it looked like a handle, almost like something you'd, you'd lay a rug with and it had magnets and he'd pick up the tiles that go into all of the, the workings of the computers underneath. This is back in the day of the IBM 4341 and the Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. Yes, I programmed COBOL and PL1 for those. But what's interesting was when you walked in the computer, computer room which was massive it was massive it was like a warehouse and you'd go in and and all of the blinking lights so peter i remember the blinking lights what can i tell you let me move on to mayank before we run out of time we've got about oh eight minutes until the predictions round mayank you're making a prediction here in your notes and i think it's worthy of our time on the show here you say by 2018 and by the way that's only two years away 50 percent of the internet of things solutions will be provided by startups that are less than three years old, meaning those startups are starting right about now. And let me add one more statement, Mayank, and you can talk about both, please. You say the enterprise Internet of Things will be the largest of the three main IoT sectors, enterprise, home, and government, as defined by BI Intelligence Magazine. So, Mayank, why don't you Mm -hmm. deconstruct these statements for us, please? 
Yeah, but I think um, you know the first statement is um, is is from Gartner, and I think as you reacted to the 2018, this was precisely their point that 2018 mm-hmm. is not that far, and they were trying to make the point that IoT, um, its involvement as a technology and its adoption has has uh, it has. Uh, surprised everybody, and it is not 2020 or 2025. It's kind of happening right now. So this was a one key point. The other was that 50% uh, itself sounds like a very large number of solutions that are going to be in the market will be provided by startups. And to that, uh, within that statement, it is with companies which are three or less than three years old. And here, I think, of course, our two uh, panelists who are these startups can um, can mm-hmm. talk a bit more, but the whole point here was that uh, if you look around both the enterprise uh, scenario and that is the other bullet point, um, and 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 the and home uh, or the consumer uh, markets, and they are saying that these are the two main areas where the adoption of uh, IoT is growing uh, at a at a pace that nobody really expected it to grow, and. And the point uh, here was that it is not GE, though GE is still waking up to be a, a, a software company. It is these these startups that are fairly young uh, who are coming up with these solutions, and they're targeting um, a very uh, predetermined white space to fill a particular gap. Um, the other flip side of this argument was, hey, look, uh, these solutions do they address a very particular pain point, but do they address a larger end-to-end scenario? And whether, um, uh, you know, the other bullet point we'll talk about later is, is, is things like security and, and are they mature enough? So this is a pretty loaded a scenario of startups who are innovative, who are, produ- uh, who are uh, uh, creating these very point solutions that do solve a problem, but are they creating, are they mature enough and are they creating larger end-to-end solutions which the enterprise side of things needs. So I think that is where I thought it would be great to bring up the pros and cons of these points, and that is the main kind of focus to highlight. Thank you very much. And Mayank, we are later in the show because in four minutes we're going to our predictions round. So do you have anything you'd like to add quickly about the enterprise IoT being the biggest of the three enterprise home and government? Now is the time to say something if you'd like to comment on that, please. Yeah, so this again, I think, one, we are an enterprise company and I think as, of course, the consumer market grows, um, it it is the um, enterprise uh, sector, which we are as a company seeing the largest adoption of solutions, and of course they're all coming from startups, a majority of them. Um, the another thing here was that as the um, as the evolution of um, connected manufacturing, connected car, and um, these um, industries grow, um, you know the, this data came. Uh, from from that background, that it is the enterprise which is typically slower in in uh, in the consumption of technology, but here it is the other way around, and IoT is growing at a very fast pace, um, uh, at least mainly the uh, adoption in the enterprise sector. 
Thank you very much, Mayank. I have ooh, about three minutes left till we do start our predictions, so I'm going to circle to Chris Bouveret at Itissimo. Chris, any thoughts on the very provocative statements Mayank just shared with us, please? Uh, well, I I would uh, emphasize on uh, the topic that uh, you know fifty percent um, of the statement, like uh, to to two thousand eighteen, fifty percent of the solutions will be provided by startups. I think it's a little bit unfair uh, just uh, to the uh, you know um, other enterprise software um, companies that choose their technology stack. Let's say ten or even uh, ten years ago or even uh, mm-hmm. earlier. So I think one of the most important advantages that startups have is they start from scratch. So what, what, uh, when I compare um, the technology stack of, of a startup um, like, like we are to, uh, let's say, the tech stack of, of huge companies, huge software companies like SAP, it's kind of unfair because we could choose, like four years ago, we could took the latest state-of-the-art technology and build up on that. So we don't have to look back on technology that maybe was written a few years ago on a totally different stack and this is enabling, I think this is enabling startups to come up with solutions um, very quickly because they can use state-of-the-art technology. Just a quick example of Tesla compared to uh, the, uh, the um, other automotive uh, manufacturers. Basically, if you start from scratch and you could build up a whole new factory, that's a lot easier than, you know, having your old factories being spare part ready and, and changing them from building a combustion engine to, let's say, an electric-powered uh, uh, vehicle. So this is the comparison I would draw here, uh, choosing a state-of-the-art technology stack in terms of having to stick what you decided uh, for 10 years ago. Thank you very much, Chris. I want to squeeze in a comment here from Peter Van Schalkwick at XM Pro before we go back to Chris for predictions. So, Peter, any thoughts on uh, provocative statements from Mayank and from Chris, please? Uh, I'll be very quick. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think the reason is um, IoT is moving fast. The way that technology is developed is happening quicker and startups in a, are in a much better um position to capitalize on that uh, because they are more agile, but it's going to take the maturity of a lot of organizations to also make sure that these are your physicians in the long term. Thank you very much, Peter. And that brings me back to Chris Bouveret. Chris, I know you've been thinking about this since we spoke on our prep call a couple of days ago. I'd like to look into the crystal ball of the future, and we have a little extra time more than usual. So I'm going to say why don't you each take between 90 seconds and two minutes if you need that much time. I'd like to look between 2020 and 2025, but you can go more near term or far term depending on what you see through the lens of your experience, Chris, at ITSIMO and Simplifier or through the lens of just your, 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 where you are in the world right now looking at IOT scenarios. So predictions, Chris Bouveret at ITSIMO. Let's start with 90 seconds. Go. All right. Well, I would say uh, 2025 or even later, we could uh, have uh, headlines like AI-driven robots uh, founding a labor union and complaining about working hours (laughs) and stuff like that. So I think the whole topic will really change in terms of how we look at work today, Um, the role of of the human um, in all those business processes will change a lot, not meaning that uh, humans will not be part of, let's say, the production of the future. They will be, and they will become more important uh, in terms of being able to interact with all those different layers of virtuality mixed with their 
um, their um, own, you know, reality perception. So, yeah, I would say, you know, AI-driven robots going crazy and demanding for um, lesser work and stuff like that could, 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 something, could be something that, that we're, we will face in the, in the next 20 years. Um, and also, um, I think there might be also a movement of, uh, let's say, workers uh, today that uh, could be in the near future um, threatened by, you know, their, their jobs could be threatened by um, automation and, and robots basically taking the place as soon as robots become more and more human and um, they're not. So um, actually, if this is the case and we do have WhoBot-style robots that walk around and can do, let's say, uh, work that humans did before, um, we will have some uh, heavy protests against that before things get better again and, um, you know, humans and, and robots and machines uh, can, can arrange better. But this is really looking to the crystal ball um, with a um, smile on my face, so don't take this too seriously, but I think uh, stuff like that could be possible in the near future. I love it. I want to pin you down. When are we going to see AI robot labor unions? Come on, give me a year. Give me a, let's put a line in the sand here, Chris. What do you think? I would, I would say uh, 2030 and beyond. Okay. Chris Bouveret at ITISMO predicts by 2030, I'm going to just put that one in, AI robots may start a labor union to complain about work hours, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> I love it. That's a great one. Prediction should make you smile rather than cry or run for cover, Chris. So I say bravo. Let's give 90 seconds for predictions equal time to Peter Van Schalkwick at XM Pro. Peter, from the vantage point of you as a founder of XM Pro and you your experience in this world what do you see give me a, a date in the a, a specific date like uh, i forced chris to do or just be vague so go ahead predictions peter please so i've got two um the one actually uh is very similar to, to christopher's one i predict by 2022 we will have the first case where a judge has to cross-examine a self-driving car around um, uh, accidents mm. um, that happened. Um, so that's my first one. But on a more serious note, um, looking at what we've done with Industry 1, Industry 2.0, Industry 3.0, and the whole history, um, the, up to now, uh, since the invention of the machine and all the organization that we've done up to now, I think by 2022, we will also see that the, the investment that companies have made up to now will be doubled in the next five years in terms of digitization and automation and, and putting sensors in place to um, give them that competitive advantage for new business models. Thank you very much. Well put. And Mayank Metter, I saved ooh, 60 seconds for you, a whole big 60 seconds. Mayank, what do you predict? <clears throat> Sure. Uh, Bonnie, firstly, I think I predict uh, in the very near future that both IT Venmo and XMPRO will be hugely successful. So if you'd like to get some pre-IPO stock, you should do it now. <laughs> um, but, um, but, but I think uh, both on the enterprise and the consumer side, I think um, within 2020 will be way far away. It will be much sooner than that, that will be completely controlled um, by devices managing our day-to-day lives like we are already beginning to see, and especially in the enterprise um, segment, I think what we are looking at and uh, data that we are already beginning to get is that um, 
um, more and more of the uh, so-called enterprise processes uh, which needed human interaction would, would pretty much be replaced um, with automated uh, processes. And that's not just software automation, but but more machine-driven automation. And I think to the earlier point made that, hey, whether that will replace jobs or not, that would remain to be seen. But I think uh, the IoT revolution, as Gartner again has said, and it will connect seven or so billion people, um, will pretty much happen before 2020. Thank you very much. Wow, great predictions there. We're just about out of time. So let me go around the table and thank my three very interesting, very articulate startup experts, Christopher Bouberet at Itissimo. Chris, pleasure to have you, and thank you for calling us. Thank you for letting us call you all the way in the U.K. Go drink something refreshing. Peter Van Chalkwick, XM Pro in Barcelona. I hear it's a beautiful city. I hope you have a lovely evening. And Mayank Matur at SAP Startup. Thank you very much. Christina Sosa has been tweeting. And, Christina, you did it again. Great panel. I know we'll be back with another live edition next week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. What do we have to say you know what it is fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out like peter and like chris and like mayank and like christina and like maju and be a game changer today time's a passing have a great one bye-bye thanks again for tuning in to startup focus with game changers presented by sap the best run businesses run sap To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.